Hello everyone, welcome to the 172nd episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site and one of your hosts for the episode. If you joined us last week, um, we literally had no idea what we were going to talk about this week. It was like, maybe it's football. Maybe we have an interview. I don't know. We'll think of something. And luckily, at the last minute we did, we have decided that, well, we're going to talk about a movie that celebrated its 13th anniversary this past week and also celebrated that anniversary with a trailer for the kind of sort of anime adaptation of it, which will be hitting Netflix this November. That film is 2010's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And I have uh, assembled my own version of Sex Bob Bomb. Um, we were supposed to have Al Manorino uh, stop in as young Neil, but unfortunately, uh, he had a third round with COVID and cannot talk because he's the unluckiest man I have ever met. Uh, he was supposed to talk last week about our Metallica experience. He's never going to talk about that. He's, he's, I don't even know if he's ever coming back on this podcast. Let's hope. Let's hope. Who knows? But I have assembled like a great team. Of course, on lead vocals and guitar, you might know him as the podcasting director of the PopBreak.com's podcasting network, as well as the man we named an award for last week. Not about being a cuck, but about crying. Alex Marcus, I wouldn't have mentioned it if you didn't bring it up offline. So Alex Marcus, a guy who's podcasted with me 47 times in the past week. How are you, pal? I'm so good, Bill. I can't wait to talk about this movie that is certainly not about being cooked. Oh, wait, it kind of is. Cuck <laughs> mm. ah, Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, and of course, on the drums, always keeping us in time and really does not like us at certain points. She, of course, uh, is taking over the podcast for the foreseeable future uh, for starting next week because Ahsoka is coming on the air. Of course, the, she is the human star, star Wars encyclopedia, the Princess Amidala of anime. And we'll get into that in a second. Amanda Rivas, welcome back, dude. You were going to take this week off, but you know, here you are. We are sex bomb. Yes, so I am super excited to be here. I guess I was going to take the week off, but then you said what we were going to mention, talk about, and I'm like, you know what, Scott Pilgrim, I'm here, I'm in, and you know, what? I'm good. I'm ready for. I'm ready for next week. The time, the time is coming. The time is coming, and I'm so excited and ready to talk about this movie too. And there's something else, you guys, uh, Alex, and you have uh, cooking. Um, why don't you talk about it? Tell us what's going on. We we made some hints about it. We dropped a little bit of information about it, I should say, last week. But we have a lot more information coming up. So, guys, take it away. Talk about this new venture y'all have. Uh, see, I did that vernacular just for you, Amanda. That y'all. You did. You, you did. It hurts when I say it right in my <laughs> stomach. Y'all have made. Let's do it before I get sweared. It's, it's the Texan. It's the Texan oh, in me. You, you, you did good, though. It feels so you, gross. you did good. Oh. You know, next you'll be sporting Dallas Cowboys blue. I will, I will be murdered by the ghost of my father <laughs> if that ever happened. He'll be like, "Good dead." Anyway, so tell us about this thing you guys are doing. So yes, so we decided to go ahead and host a dedicated anime podcast, which I believe Alex is the only dedicated anime podcast on the pop break. Absolutely, it is. 
I we have such a huge fan base for anime on this site, and we have such a huge fan base for anime on this network that me and Bill kind of knocked our heads together and said, how can we make this work? And how can we give Amanda more things to do? And so I had, we had a nice conversation with Amanda. We roped her into it. She's going to be the lead host. Josh Shinaki is going to be backing her up as her co-host for this. And what's going to be awesome is that we're also going to be getting a, pa- a rotating panel uh, of anime experts from the popbreak.com onto this show on a monthly basis. So that we can talk about all the best things about anime and guess who's not going to be on the show me because i don't know anything about anime so you don't have to worry about that i'll just be moving the dials behind the camera uh you won't have to worry about it huh? you <laughs> yeah, never know you, you might see something that you might like it's true if always, I, there's always a spot it's always a guest spot open it's true yeah, and we're I'll mostly going to be i'll be on the first one so <laughs> we're mostly going to be talking about tv stuff but if you if we end up doing that miyazaki episode at the end of the year i'll be there for that because i'm a huge miyazaki fan I was well. We'll get you down for that one then, for sure. Because yeah, hopefully it comes out. We're waiting on a, an anticipated drop date for that. I've been scouring, looking. But in the meantime, it's going to be really fun. Amanda is very excited about this. I'm very excited about this. Josh is very excited about this. And our panel, uh, featuring the best and brightest of anime fans on the network, are excited about this. So it's going to be really cool. We're also going to have some special guests. We're going to be focusing on two big releases in the world of anime mostly tv as i said we're going to be doing a big news dump every week we're going to be uh talking about some under the radar anime picks that you guys might not know that much about that we can uh, rely on our experts for it's basically like if you're ever like hey uh you were home from school one day or home from work and you were watching the view and you're like this would be better if it was a bunch of people talking about anime that's what you got now once a month exactly exactly so we're super excited to bring it uh, right now we are calling it anime pop anime with a little bit of an x for my spy family people and my hunter hunter people who know what's up anime pop it's uh it's super exciting and we i can't wait i just love geeking out about anime bill knows i just start going off on a tangent I do. and there we are so we now have a space where we can do that every month and we hope that you guys tune in listen enjoy it bill is going to be our first guest on this episode and actually guys i got him to watch the one piece i'm gonna get him to do it maybe i'll get him in the land of wano that's my goal is to get him to wano one day and it will happen this is the first step isn't that like a dietary issue guano or no, 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 Wano, Wano. Wano, that's not Guano. Guano. Not Bat Guano. Guano is from Ace Ventura 2. That's Guano. It's ah, okay. Bat yeah, poop. not Bat Poop. Not no, bat not that poop. poop. No, Got it. Okay. Wano, guys. Not the land. We're in the land of Wano, Wano. right now with Luffy and the like, Straw Hats, and we're gonna go. Those are pi- those, those are pirates, pirates right there. That's a, that's one pirate crew. I will always, if they open invitation, I will I will accept it. Please take me. <laughs> Let me join your crew. <laughs> the only pirate I sign up for well, are the ones led by Porco Rosso. So, well, there we go. And you never know. Again, I, there's a lot to come. We're excited to, sh- to just chat anime. So again, hopefully you guys tune in. Let us know what you think. And we've got some big we've got some big topics in the works. So big thanks to Josh for agreeing to co-host with me. So and of course Alex for hiding behind the scenes and for you guys brainchilding this idea. Super excited to bring it to life. It's gonna be great. And if you've ever listened to TV Break, you know Josh has a penchant for finding the most random, obscure anime uh, and talking about it. So it's he's a great pairing with Amanda. We can't wait. Wasn't one of them like some guy got depressed and turned into a vending machine? 
No, he got killed by a vending machine and then reincarnated as one. But it was a magical vending machine that could change into any yes. vending machine. So that way he could fight demons, I think. Right, Amanda? Yes. Yeah. That he could fight. Yes. I'm sorry. I just started watching that one. Uh, we were talking about another one where reincarnated as slime. <laughs> tough beat. So again, more to come. <laughs> tough beat. More to come. Bill thinks his uh, life all is right. tough. Hasn't been reincarnated in Islam yet. <laughs> it's a great anime, though. That one's an awesome That's one. <laughs> well, stay tuned to this very feed, Socially Distanced, at the end of August, where there'll be, like, vending machines and straw hats and slime and swords and loud no yelling. No Bakwano, though. No Bakwano. No Bakwano. Although, until we do our Ace Ventura 2 retrospective podcast, which will be the entire month of November in the year 2026, that's when that's going to happen. Uh, Alex just put that on the books for us. So, mm. yes, check that out, and then it'll go right to the Pop Couldn't Break be TV me. feed the in the next month. Person who has not uh, seen no. Ace Ventura or the sequels. We're going to mm-hmm. have to summon those seven evil exes of Ramona Flowers to go ahead and take you out, Alex, with love. That We're Listen, there are worse ways to go. Yeah. There are definitely worse ways to go. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get into Alex's uh, thirst traps in a minute uh, because we have to throw to some other shows you should be checking out on the Pop Break Podcast Network. My name is Bill Bodkin, editor in chief of the PopBreak.com. Join me on the third Thursday of every month as I dive deep into the iconic music scene of Asbury Park, New Jersey, on my new podcast. Anchored in Asbury. Every month, I sit down with my friends, colleagues, and some of the most exciting names in the Asbury music scene to talk about their latest works, most personal inspirations, and their connection to the city that Bruce built. Follow the show on the Pop Break Today podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, this is Allison Lips from Pop Break Goes to Washington. You may know me as the Digital Trends Editor at Pop Break and as a frequent guest on the Anniversary Brothers podcast. Every third Thursday of the month, join me and a guest as we break down various political movies from a pop culture perspective. You can find Pop Break Goes to Washington on the Pop Break Today feed wherever you get your podcasts. We are back uh we just found out so many things about alex and like what movies he hasn't watched um amanda and i are barely holding it together. but what we did all come together for within a span of 24 hours is throwing this show together and all watching scott pilgrim versus the world and for some of us me it has been an extremely long time since we've watched this film so for all of you who need to catch up maybe it's been a minute since you've watched let's let's just bring it back up on the history let's dust it off in a segment i like to call holy shit it's scott pilgrim um which is you know the time where we always just go to wikipedia and we're like here's what you missed of course this film was released in the united states on august 13th 2010 just a mere four days ago from when we're recording it was uh co-written and directed by edgar wright you know that guy whose uh, first three films that we talked about in the beginning of the year when we did our Cornetto, Cornetto trilogy. Actually, that's incorrect. This was his third. Of course, this was produced by his longtime producing partner, Naira Park, starring Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Culkin, Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Brandon Routh, Jason Schwartzman, Aubrey Plaza, Ellen Wong, Mae Whitman, 
Uh, apparently, Bill Hader has a voice in this. Uh, cameos from Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. It is a large one. But now that we've talked about the film, guys, let's talk about ourselves. Let's get a little selfish here. Let's talk. Let's be self-absorbed. Let's talk about our hype levels and our ages and everything about ourselves in 2010 because one of us is going to be really, really young. So for me, back in 2010, <laughs> uh, I was 28 years old. I was uh, a few months away from getting married. And my hype level for this film was through the roof. I was a massive Edgar Wright fan. Love Shaun of the Dead. Love Hot Fuzz. So this was his first huge budgeted American movie he was doing, of course. This is what he was holding off Ant-Man for doing, um, which if you want to listen to Bill versus the MCU, Alex and I will talk I talked about it at length. And this was Michael Sarah, red hot at the time, did super bad, done all sorts of, you know. Arrested Development. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Come on, Bill. <laughs> which I... <laughs> I saw it in the theater, come on, and I owned it on DVD, an aughts classic, uh, starring, Kat, starring Kat Dennings uh, as, as uh, Nora, and uh, not Nick. And uh, so, yeah, my expectation level was through the roof on this, because the trailers looked awesome. It, it just looks like, it looked like everything I could have wanted from an Edgar Wright movie. But we'll get into how I felt after I saw it, once we get into the baby face of the group. Alex, how old were you when this movie came out? I was about to become a junior in college, so I was 20 years old. I was okay. in... A lot older than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> in August of 2010, I was uh, taking summer classes, commuting into the city from Jersey, and working, and trying to have a social life, and saving for a year of school. So I saw very few movies that year, weirdly. like That's like out of the last like 20 years, this like one of the fewest years of, uh, in terms of how many movies I saw that year. And this movie was not one of them. I remember the hype, all of the film podcasts that I listened to, I was just getting into film podcasts that year. And all of them were super hyped for this. They were all big Edgar Wright fans. I hadn't seen any Edgar Wright stuff by that point. Um, I was a big fan of Michael Sarah. Uh, I remember that like all of the com like this movie, like took over comic-con cause it was coming out a few weeks after comic-con. Yep. And they were like, we're, they just did like this huge, huge promotional push. They were like, we're going to we're going to mobilize the geek and nerd scenes and we're going to capitalize on all those young people who love Michael Sarah for reasons that we don't understand. And we're just going to make this into a huge success. And I also remember that there was this big battle where everybody else was like, hey, real men are going to go see the Expendables. Uh, this pussy uh, Michael Sarah, who cares about him? He's everything that's wrong with today's masculinity. And, just like, and, and it was like weirdly loaded for some reason. Um, and then uh, and then it didn't do so well. And I guess I'm part of the reason why, because I was absolutely target demographic i should have been really excited for it but i was too busy working and going to school and, and trying to you know hang out with my friends so we i never got there but i did i did Some... see it one year later and we will, we will we'll talk. get to it i have a story about that and uh some men of culture saw both films that week and that man of culture this fucking guy amanda <laughs> a true man of culture would have also seen you pray love true. that weekend Oh. No, and I have a story of why. Because my wife tried reading the book that summer while she was unemployed. And I said, hey, did you want to see that movie? She's like, fuck this woman. What an asshole. <laughs> She's like, here I am trying to find a job. This shithead goes home and goes, oh, I'm going to eat Bray Love, blah, blah. And I'm just like, usually that's my reaction to things. I definitely picked the right person to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> so we were not going to see that movie. 
out of pure my wife ripping a seat out of the ground and throwing it at the But screen. it sounds like so it did deepen your love of for your soon-to-be wife, yeah. so it did its job. It did. Yeah. It did its job. I didn't need to see the fucking movie, though. Um, Amanda... Tell us about your hype level and where were you at this point in your life? Where you st- I mean, you've never left Texas. <laughs> this so. is true. Uh, well, actually, I was traveling around a lot for work. So um, I okay. traveled. I've probably been to almost every state for work. Almost. Uh, I did a lot of recruiting for the company that I work for at the time. So I was on the road. Uh, the CIA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, scroll, scrolls, you know, we're everywhere. Um, (laughs) um, so uh, I was traveling around a lot. I was, uh, getting my master's. So I was working, uh, doing, taking courses. I was at the tail end of my studies. I was 26, uh, in, in 2010. And, um, yeah, I had just, uh, started dating, uh, my son's dad. So this, so the hype level at the time for us, for this film, it was really high because he is a, he's a big Arrested Development fan. And of course, he's like, oh, we got to go see, you know, George Michael in this movie. I was just hyped for it because it looked cool. And it was an Edgar Wright film. So I'm like, it's this looks cool. I like the animation. Um, this just looks really intriguing. I like the music. It's it's kind of got these these different things that I like checking out. Um, I was again traveling around a lot. I wasn't seeing a lot of movies around that time just because I was either exhausted on the road or studying. Uh, <laughs> or uh, also, uh, I did a, a short stint in the world of ballroom dancing, so I was also practicing a lot. What? Uh, yes, what? I am a I am a ballroom dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the podcast. You can't just yes, casually I... drop that into a conversation, Amanda. <laughs> yeah i just started i just started taking lessons so i actually can waltz waltz tango foxtrot and viennese waltz i can do all those things (laughs) i blew everyone's minds i just i just kind of bombed everybody here oh my god uh so where did you so well i can't even think it's just i'm just thinking imagine you you and your your baby daddy waltzing into the theater together and then like flourishing bowing and then sitting down uh, where did the so when did you see it for the first time and who did you see it with? We, did, we saw it in theaters, you know, Vegas Farms. You know, we we saw it in theater, um, and yeah, it was like a date night thing. We saw it in theater and both really enjoyed it. You know, it was a, uh, it was it yeah, we both really liked it. And again, I just it's one of those movies for me that I I enjoy watching every time it comes on. I'm like ah, Scott Pilgrim, it's old faithful here, so I can. I can watch that, and it's even last night when I was rewatching. Brandon's like, "Oh, you're watching Scott Pilgrim?" Hopped over the couch and started watching too. <laughs> so your initial thoughts were like, "This is everything I wanted from an Edgar Wright movie." Like, what what stuck with you that you that so, made it all reliable? Um, the cameos for sure. Like, I I feel like uh, the Brandon Ruth cameo was <laughs> was awesome. His part of the movie stuck out with me because uh, I was going through. I wasn't a pure vegan. But I was kind of doing the whole like earth friendly and I still kind of do a lot of recycling, kind of going down the hippie route. I know Um, (laughs) as I had that moment for a bit. And so I thought that was that was awesome. And then, of course, Brandon Ruth, I think at the time was still coming off of of Superman, you know, kind of fame, too. So, yeah, his cameo stuck out. Um, I mean, Chris Evans, (laughs) their chef here, uh, totally stuck out. Um, but we're, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the the music. I enjoyed the visuals. Uh, I thought Ramona's look was super cool. So I mean, I just I liked how everything seemed very hip, very fresh. It was just a lot of fun. The humor was was entertaining. 
um and just i'm a gamer too so the whole video game aspect of it those little nuances like seven thousand points the coins all those types of things i really really enjoyed when i came out of the theater i was like as a gamer i'm here for it it spoke to me and i i really liked that aspect of it very much so alex you were not in the movies to see this when did you tell us regale us with the tale and I really, really want you to somehow weave ballroom dancing into your rewatch here. Well, so I mine want you is... to figure out a way, true or false. I don't really care. I just want to see how you do it. I can't. So I can't. I can't promise you ballroom dancing, but I can promise you something that's almost as antiquated as ballroom dancing, which is I'm fairly confident this is the last film that I rented with my Blockbuster membership. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. And when I say my Blockbuster membership, I mean, of course, my sister's Blockbuster membership that I had a card from. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I did. I went all the way. There was a there was a Blockbuster next to a police station on the in Midtown. And I had to go there. Yes. You know where I'm talking about. Yeah. It's yeah. I had to I had to often rent from that (laughs) because my best friend who lived on 49th and 9th had so many late fees that he was banned from renting anything. (laughs) So I had to make sure when I came over to his house, I his apartment, I would rent it, and I made sure I brought it back to the right by the police station. I made sure I brought it back so I didn't get hit with the late fees because one time we rented Swingers and he didn't return it for a year. Oh my god! What? So yeah, and he told me, "Oh, I brought it back." Well, I was always very responsible when it came to late. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But I, so that's yeah. So I went down and I and this was like probably and I'm pretty sure this is the last time I ever rented anything at Blockbuster because then you know there was the rise of Redbox, which really took us by storm for a brief shining moment in time before streaming just took yes. over everything. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, I watched this in my dorm room alone. Uh, so. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, you know what? I have nothing to do this weekend, and uh, I need, and I've heard so much about this for a year, and I'm tired of people telling me it's amazing, and I haven't seen it. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, spend my Saturday morning walking down past the police station to the blockbuster, getting it, and coming back home and watching it at like eleven o'clock in the morning, which is definitely when you should watch a movie and uh yeah i was when i saw it i was like eh, it seems okay i don't know i think it's a little overhyped <laughs> so yeah because i was curious because the people who love this movie i mean our 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 quantum realm uh co-host al manarino he's like it's a perfect movie and i'm like cool that's like your opinion man uh loves this movie logan fowler another one he, he loves this movie has cosplayed this scott a few times um you've cosplayed as scott as well oh me no Oh no, Amanda! No, 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 no! I was just saying, I'm raising my hand in solidarity. Like I do love this movie, I really do. Okay, but so did, it didn't. No, live and up it was my own fault. I watched it at the exact wrong moment because it had literally built up in hype for over a year, yeah. uh, and it was at like a fever pitch. So it was like yeah. past because, and also because the movie ended up not doing well at the box office, which I know we're gonna get into a little bit. There was this sort of like defensive, yeah. like everyone's wrong about this movie. Also, so the people who loved it were like extra. Oh, yeah in your face about how much they loved it. And so that was just the worst possible time, I think, for me to watch it because I thought it was fine. And honestly, I didn't remember a single thing about that experience. When we rewatched it for this, it was like watching a whole new movie almost completely. So I Same. definitely don't know why I thought it was underwhelming, but it did feel overwhelming at the time. Uh, and I'm excited uh, to talk about how I felt about it this time when we get there. Yeah, I was, uh, like I said, super hyped. I went to a midnight screening of this 
in Freehold, ah. New Jersey. Uh, it might because the coolest uh, place for for a midnight screening. <laughs> the coolest place ever, fucking Freehold, New Jersey. Um, Where you always want to be at midnight oh, is Freehold, yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> so let's just say I think that was the same year. Alex, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Inception came out that year as well. Yes, it did. Okay, so I saw the midnight screening of Inception. Pretty much like one month earlier, almost to the yeah. day. Jam packed for Inception. I, I did Scott- see that movie in theaters. Scott Pilgrim quarter packed <laughs> with the most. Uh, so I also just giving you context of how I saw this movie. So I used to work at a Jersey Shore Entertainment magazine and we used to deliver the magazines ourselves. So it's August. It's hot. It's sweaty. I've been doing this for like, t- t- you know, 10, 12 hours. I've been delivering. I am just beat to shit. And I am there with my buddy, Logan Fowler, longtime writer of the site and the guy I've known from high school. Um, we are by and Amanda will know this phrase very well. We're by every goddamn neckbeard possible. And if you don't know what a neckbeard is, and that's a pro wrestling thing, is this these often unbathed, very smelly, you know they live in a basement somewhere, but they are the smartest people in the room, and they just scratch their fucking beard and their neck. It's like, oh, this was not on page 43 of Brian K. Malley's fucking book. Because I had to listen to that shit for three hours. Why three hours? Because they let us in early. And all I heard to hear about was every single movie and TV show of geek culture that was out there being dissected by these smelly sons of bitches and, like, the girls that were with them because they were all older and they all were, like, I will say they're girls because they all seemed to be teenagers that they were definitely creeping on who were very annoyed that they were there. And there's listed them trying to be so smart. And then every time something happened, that's not the way it was in the book. And at one point I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, it was just like, I'm just like, I said that because I was so mad. Because it's just like, let me watch them. Like, enjoy yourself. And that kind of ruined the experience a little bit for me, just having know-it-alls all around me. But I, this movie did not live up to the hype for me at all. In fact, I... Everyone thinks I love this movie because people bought me the DVD for my birthday. They bought me the books. And they're like, you love this movie. And I didn't want to say, not really. But like, I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. Never watched it on DVD. Oh, no. I did watch it on DVD with my wife, who was just like, yeah, not for me. Pass. Uh, And so I just felt like I hated the Scott character, which Alex, before I even mentioned it, he's like, you must hate scott and i was like yes yes i do um i felt some of the the, like i didn't get it like there were certain things i'm just like i don't understand why he's making these decisions i don't fucking like this guy i'm not rooting for him at all and then when it ended i was like cool bye (laughs) and i just left it and i've never gone back to it it, until this rewatch and yeah so we and we'll get to my thoughts after we talk about this film was infamously a flop at the box office, pulling in just about ten mi- between ten and eleven million dollars its opening weekend. It got smoked by the aforementioned Eat, Pray, Love, which starred Julia Roberts, still a bona fide movie star who's going to open movies to big box office. Directed by Ryan Murphy. Let's never forget. Well, there you go. Yeah. He's done a lot of things. Uh, and then the goddamn Expendables, which if you don't remember the Expendables, it was like. Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, Jet Li, every Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was all these action heads. And, you know, that was a franchise that's been going on for a while. And I think they're actually releasing another one in 2023. Yeah, a fourth Uh, one is coming out in like two months, I think. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's not a good movie, but it's entertaining in how terrible it is. Uh, Amanda, I'm sure you have a soft spot for the Expendables. I do. I was a big... That's Jason Statham, that's why. Uh, you know, I grew up watching... I do, I do. He's, he's quite attractive. But, but know. you know, I grew up watching, like, Sylvester Stallone. And, like, you know, a lot of these action, like, action heroes, it's like, you grew up watching them. And so, like, I watched them with my dad. So I did have a, a soft spot for this movie, for sure. Because it's just everybody that I just sat down with my dad and watched. And just, you know, it's like my childhood. And, and... Um, so definitely, definitely had exactly. to see it. I had to see it. And of course, it gets weirder when Kelsey Grammer and Antonio Banderas and Ronda Rousey and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chuck Norris, oh, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they all get involved. Oh, that's right. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. If, if, if they would have gotten her, it would have been so She's awesome. the big bad of the next so one. Just oh, man. Uh that would be great. So, guys, like I said, this movie, uh, Scott Pilgrim didn't do well. So, Alex, I mean, you are you are our insider of all things about business when it comes to Hollywood and television. At least you know, understand it. Why do you think this movie just, just didn't was, make the money? I mean, they yeah, hyped the shit I, I out I really of think it was a matter of uh, it was just here a little bit too soon. It was if this movie had come out in 2013 instead of 2010, I think it would have been a giant hit. I think that they were banking on a crowd that was mostly younger, mostly, uh, you know, like me, busy. That's doing doing work, being in school. It's August. That's not a time to gather a lot of young people to go see movies. It's a great time to gather a bunch of old people who care about old action stars and julia roberts you're gonna say old farts (laughs) so it was just it was a competitive it was a competitive box office weekend where the older demographics were being catered to and with these two movies with huge stars that they care about and the that left only you know young up-and-coming millennials uh and uh that's not when they go see movies. They don't see movies in August. So it was, I think that if they wanted it to hit big, they sh- it should have been released like a couple months later, a couple months earlier, and also a few years later. <laughs> I think this movie comes out 2013, 2014, 2015. I think it's a giant hit. I think if it comes out now, it's a huge hit, you know? But I think that it was just, oh it was just a bit too early yeah. for it. It was, it was ahead of its time. Uh, I don't think that Edgar Wright, as much as, Shaun of the Dead was a hit around like a cult hit here. Hot Fuzz definitely wasn't a cult hit here. You know, I don't think it had nearly as big of a deal. People didn't know Edgar Wright was as much as they do now. Now he's a bona fide like major director star. That's not who he was back then. That's who he was for like film blogs. But that's not what moves culture. But this was the moment where we found out that that's not actually what moves culture (laughs) because people Hollywood really invested in the idea that film blogs were the future. Um, And then uh, this movie is kind of iconic for being an example that like really burst that bubble. But I just think it was too early. I think that the the audience, if they were 25 instead of 18, 19, you know, if that was your core demo, you would have been in a position where people would be going out and spending their money on a movie like this. So. I think that's what it, I think that's what it happens. Amanda, why do you, why do you think this movie just the old flops? I just you know Alex summed it perfectly with it's ahead of its time. Um, you know I I feel like this you know this had a very indie film vibe to it, and I think just at the time indie films just weren't as popular in the box office as something like you know the Expendables or Eat Pray Love. And I mean you had these these star leads, you know people like Julia Julia Roberts. Had drawing power, 
um, you know, the expendables, you have a bunch of action stars who, even though yes, a lot of them you hadn't seen in forever, uh, or anything like that, like people knew who they were. And I mean, and then you have Michael Sarah, he's not necessarily leading man, um, material, you know, I mean, yes, he has a following, but you know, if you put him up against somebody like Sylvester Stallone, who are you going to go see? I mean, I know who I would you go know, see. It's, it's, you're going to go with, <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, but it, it, you know, kind of to the casual, to the average moviegoer, they know who Sylvester Stallone is and they don't know who Michael Cera is. Or they know who Julia Roberts is, but not Michael Cera. So I, I think, you know, even though, again, I, I really liked this movie when I saw it, I still enjoy this movie very much. I just I just feel like at the time, you know, again, you, you he, just Michael Cera just didn't have the, the mainstream or as much of a mainstream presence, you know, or accolades or whatnot, you know, compared against somebody like Sylvester Stallone. Um, I also felt like this movie was very, very hyped, but I also feel like a lot of kind of, at least from what I can recall around that time frame, a lot of marketing was behind the Expendables in particular. There was so much marketing. I feel like from what I can recall, I probably saw more commercials for the Expendables than I did at the time for Scott Pilgrim. Um, so I, I don't know if, how much that played into it, but I, I feel like maybe that could have been a factor. Um, and yeah, again, I just, I feel like now more indie style films and more you know again more independent films are getting more they're they're getting more acclaimed they're getting they're more well known you know you have um you know you have more of an appreciation for them i think than you know kind of at the the time in 2010 um i think it was getting there but i I just so that makes me think of another thing also like when you're talking about the michael Sarah of it all right i think it's easy to forget but there was a brief window in time where michael Sarah was actually a bankable lead actor in hollywood and this movie comes out pretty much yeah. right at the moment where the michael sarah backlash sort of crescendoed and you think now like why was yeah. there michael sarah backlash but there was a lot of people who were like why is this person being cast as a lead in movies right he was he was the lead of super bad that was a huge hit he ends up he's in nick and Nora's infinite playlist he's in youth and revolt right that's another movie that is very hated from around that time that he was the star Year of one. and there's yeah year one exactly yeah, and there was this sense one. of like why oh, yeah. is this guy he's bland he's boring he's like awkward like oh who cares like i hate awkward guys why are you why are we making him into a movie star let me and there was like a reactionary <laughs> anger about that and it all got tagged on this movie and he really was the only famous person in this movie because yep. we look back at the cast now and right. it is loaded with people who went on to become huge stars but pretty much none of them were at the time, right? Chris Evans, people knew who he was, but most known known for being a failed uh, comic book star, right? Brandon Routh, Brandon failed Routh. comic book star, right? Other yeah. The other young people in it, uh, they were not famous yet. They were people who mostly you didn't know. You saw them maybe in a thing here, here a thing there. Um, then, of course, you have Jason Schwartzman is the big bad, who's, you know, in like these random indie movies that a lot of people have a lot of feelings about. So, this was supposed to be this big, huge blockbuster hit, and it was on the back of this one guy that a lot of the audience was like, stop trying to make him happen. Uh, and uh, a bunch of people that were either failed stars or people who you'd never heard of. I think that hurt the movie. I also think, if you think about how this would be received now, we've had like 15 years of some we like these things more than some other people, but you fairly say derivative comic book movies, right? 
formulaic comic book movies to a certain extent. People are tired of the same sort of superhero thing. So I think if this movie comes out now, people are going crazy that it's like a movie that feels original within the nerd space, right? At the time, people were like, we're having too much nerd content. We already had like three X-Men movies and three Spider-Man movies. That's enough. And this is just one more thing. We, we, we're losing the culture. That's why we need Expendables to bring it back to real men, right? That was like the discourse. So I think all of that, like this movie just became like a stalking horse for a lot of like weird culture fights that were happening. And I think, you know, the young people, yeah. millennials, they just weren't powerful enough to overcome it in that moment and you know they would over time and you know now we're the problem but uh <laughs> but back then we were the young up-and-comers and, and uh, this movie was was a big reason why yeah and it, also this movie had about a, between a 60 to 80 million dollar budget so that was a big ask especially putting up against those other movies to try and get back uh the you know i read an article on collider about this it was really marketed towards that nerd culture and if you were trying to get people like me and people like within our 20s, like all of us, like at the time, like we don't have money. Like we're all just dis- we. Right. This was the start of student loans are destroying us. We don't have. And we all we already yes. saw Inception twice in theaters the yes, month before. I mean, so how are pretty we much. <laughs> yeah. And, and Michael, the Michael Sarah backlash actually was really quick. We think about like a guy like Chris Pratt, like we had the, the Chris Pratt backlash but michael sarah had you know arrested development in 2007 he was super bad it was super bad juno 2008 nick and nora and then 2009 that was it for him he was done as a leading man because year one youth and revolt both tank this is just like ugh, we're tired of this guy and it happened so quickly and then next thing you know it's also this the the old the other generation was like this is just weird you look at this like you would show people this this is just weird i don't want to see this movie if this were on netflix today this would be the biggest netflix or whatever streamer would be like this has been streamed for 70 billion hours it would be it just would be so i think well and I, i think i think too bill you brought up a good point um you know about like it being very nerd culture centric i i feel like back then there was not as much of an open embracing of nerd culture um you know like a lot of us hardcore nerds were underground because it was you know it wasn't as cool it's not a cool thing like it is now i'm like oh yeah and we were broke now huh (laughs) yeah we were broke we were broke poor nerds and um you know but i i feel like that's a big part of it is now in this time frame and i I feel like even with the trailer which i know we're going to talk about but there's so much love for it because it's like you know now there's such a an open nerd space, you know, there's, you know, again, that's a lot of that going back to Alex's point about the, the superhero, you know, kind of the superhero movies and the, you know, the, 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 you know, now you've got the comic cons everywhere. Like they're more prominent in different variations of comic cons yeah. and things like, you know, there's a, there's a whole movement for embracing nerd culture. And I think, you know, at the time, again, back in 2010, there wasn't, there wasn't that safe space for nerds. You were, you were just a poor and there was a lot of anxiety about nerds are taking over and we need to stop it right there a lot of a lot of people were like we don't want hollywood to become this and you know what maybe some of those people were right (laughs) but but at least we got a a number of good marvel movies out of it uh (laughs) but i think that that was also a big thing there too is that there was just a lot it just was it's it's hard if you weren't there i think it's easy to not realize it's it's really hard to overstate what a weird culture war moment this was 
Uh, and I and just oh. was so un like it just it just looking back it's just so unfair to tag this like sweet mo- innocent movie with all of that like no movie could survive underneath that weight and yeah. like they weren't asking yeah. for that I don't know why that was the one it could have been any number of movie it could have been Juno the year before but that it wasn't Juno won a bunch of Oscars right it could have been so many movies but it just happened to be this one that every all the olds just got together and were like no we won't have it Sylvester Stallone and Julia Roberts save us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i so we're gonna get into our our thoughts about the rewatch right now because one two three four we are in our next segment which god that hurts so much when i do it i need to stop uh but i won't uh is we finally rewatched it so I'll, I'll i'll kick it off since i had the most negative about this this was the first time in 13 years i have watched this movie i own it on dvd and never watched it my wife watched it separately of me so I, I, I you know, someone gifted me the books. I never, they're in my basement somewhere. I never read them. So I go back to this movie and I, I started watching it. I watched it in two parts and I messaged Amanda. And I think Alex, I think we both had the same conversation where I was just like, oh, I realized why I didn't like this because Scott's a dick. And I just needed to realize that's the fucking point of the movie. I guess the sound of people scratching their neck beards <laughs> drowned part of that out for me. Uh, so, but no, it's, seriously, I it was just, I just didn't, it just didn't, that type of character at the time in my life just didn't click with me, nor did I want to, I guess maybe the mood I was in, I just didn't want to understand and sympathize or even understand that character. And this time around, for me, it was much easier to uh swallow what scott totally was that sounds so fucking weird to digest <laughs> i mean what scott totally was it's still ever consuming still it's in the stomach acid we're getting yeah. there people. seems more like something that karen culkin would be up to in this movie yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to yeah. karen in a second who <laughs> my god we, and there's another one we were talking about oh you know multi-time emmy award winner karen culkin he was just like oh he's one of the culkins we got one of them yeah. in there one of yeah, the lesser Culkins in that moment, and little did we know, he's the best of all yes. of them. You know, no, no disrespect to Roy Culkin, you play freaks better than anybody. Yuxiola. Uh So for me, a 13-year rewatch, and what a more positive rewatch, um, because I just felt like Alex, like you said, it was like I felt this was like the first time I was ever watching it. Like I had a clear vision of this movie, and I was like, wow. I did the Owen Wilson Wow Award. I was like, "Wow!" It was it was so surprising. I'm just like, "This movie's great." <laughs> like, how did I not like this the first time I saw it? So, but we'll I'll get we'll get into the specifics a little bit later. So, Alex, how long it had been since you had seen this film uh, upon the rewatch, and what was your second time around? Your Heimdall Memorial hindsight from a <laughs> Steal our segment. Uh, yeah, I. I have no original ideas. <laughs> for me, it's it's about twelve years since I saw it, and I fully had no memory of of it, like basically at all. It felt completely fresh, which is weird because that's not usually my experience with movies. Even if it's a movie that I only saw once and I saw it a hundred years ago, I still have like a sense memory of it. And this one, it was just like a total blank. But that was great because I loved the experience of watching this movie. I thought it was so fun. And I, and I like you, when it first started, I was like, Oh no, he's dating a high schooler. Ooh, I bet this isn't going to age well. Uh Oh, and then I, but then everyone in the movie is like, you're dating a high schooler. What's wrong with you? And I was like, Oh, okay. I can relax a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think it's so fun. It's so sweet. It's got like a really great sense of imagination. Edgar Wright is just like, 
I think this movie at the time got tagged for being like too quirky and stuff, but I think it's just so visually inventive and fun. And it has such an incredible visual style. Like there's this like the kind of montaging sequences where the camera is just effortlessly moving from one scene to the next scene and dialogue is like starting in one scene and ending uh, like six hours later in the next scene. It all kind of like is of a piece, this sort of like dream logic that so much of the movie occupies. Uh, it's just I had such a blast I thought it was wonderful and getting to see all the wonderful people who are in it and just like who are now huge stars and seeing them as little babies it's just like as I told Bill made me feel old because they were all older than me when I was watching this and now they are, look like children uh to my eye so that was that was upsetting but uh yeah it's it's great no one more than Brie Larson <laughs> yeah no Brie Larson I think Larson, was a child like... she looks like she was like 16 when they made this movie <laughs> I th- I think she was I think legit yeah. was a teenager when this That's movie was made. I, thought. I imagine, thought she was. Because you got to imagine this was made in 2009 yeah. roughly. So she's like only like 33 now. So that's uh, yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. So Amanda, now you have a different experience than Alex and I. This is an old reliable. But tell us about this rewatch. How often do you rewatch this movie? That's what I'm um, curious. I would say like maybe once a year. If that, okay. I mean, once like every couple of years, like, so it's has been this, about a year so since this... I've, I've seen it. Like if it shows up on TV, you know, well, when I was not streaming as much, but if it was like, hmm. you know, showing up, it would, I would watch it and I would, you know, or um, it's one of those where, you know, like, you know, if I was with friends or, you know, even like, even with Brandon, it's like, oh, hey, you want to watch it? Just watch Scott Pilgrim. Okay. You know, it, it, it was, it so it had been probably about a, maybe a year, if that, if that I've seen it. So um and i still really enjoy it i i feel like you know for me the visuals are always just very very fun um you know right off the bat i love the fights the fights are hilarious and uh, they're great they're really visually well done i you know for me what i appreciated about kind of this rewatch is just the i feel like ramona gets to be quite the the interesting character each time because i i feel like you know somebody that's like ramona even now i knew somebody that was like ramona back then and I'm like, I feel like there's there's kids out there now that are a lot like her. <laughs> um, you know, in terms of I'm still finding myself, I'm exploring, I'm there there's a lot of those the the archetypes that are there that are still relevant, um, you know, from our generation to this new generation. And that's something for me that it's interesting to see is something that I'm like, oh yeah, I related to that back in 2010. And seeing others, you know, you look at it in a different lens now, but you still see how it relates to present day. Um, you know, of course I cringed at the whole, oh yeah, he's dating a high schooler thing too, for sure. I was like, Ooh. Yeah, which I totally forgot well, about. I remembered it, you know, the it was it weirded me out back in twenty ten. It's still kind of made it's still cringe it's still cringe worthy for me now, but at least everyone calls yeah. him on it. And like y'all mentioned, um, and he doesn't wind up with her in the end, <laughs> which spoiler alert, um, you know, for yeah. anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, but you know, which I was okay with because that would have mm-hmm. been weird. <laughs> that would have been really, really weird. Um, and just, yeah, I feel like just the humor is still relevant to you. Like you have, what always cracks me up is the Wallace Stacy. I think it's his sister's name, Wallace Stacy exchange where they always know what's going on because you know you have friends <laughs> like that. You know <laughs> you have friends it's like such that. such a good joke. That it's is. Such a good joke. It is. The brilliance of the editing, <laughs> especially when he's yes. asleep. And, I was and, like, and he's like, I was, well, he's that's like the predecessor he's to like the sleep text. Because I, I feel like that still happens. Like sometimes I do that and I'm like, what did I yeah. send? 
You know, it's like, I'm not even drunk. It's just exhausted. I fell yeah. asleep. And I was I like, I had one I of those you. a couple of days you. ago. And um, I looked back and it was fully incoherent. Like there were like, it wasn't like it was words, but they, none of them yeah. made sense together. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? Yeah. Or I fell asleep in the middle of the mm-hmm. conversation and it's like, but I still managed to yeah. get something out. <laughs> but so I, I feel like I've never done that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's a, it's a regular thing. <laughs> no, no, no. From the bar I have, but never asleep. <laughs> There's so many jokes sometimes that I get now more so than I did back when I was not just straight up ooing and aahing over the fights and the, the gaming Chris parties. Evans. That too. And Brandon Ruth, yeah. both of them. Um. <laughs> I, yeah. I like, oh. So sexuality is a spectrum, right? And for me, my my corner of the spectrum yes. is from Michael Sarah to Brandon Routh. That's, that's everything in between those two things is for me. Well, and that's what I like too about this this movie. I feel like it it... I like the idea that Ramona, that one of her exes was a girl. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's neat to have that. Cause again, like that, I feel like sexuality wasn't such an open conversation, at least from what I can remember back in 2010, not at all. And so it's, it was awesome to see that. And then now to watch it in the, the now in the more open world that we, we live in. Um, to see it in that context now where it's like, yeah, that's, that's really, really cool. Like even back then. It was like here we're gonna we're gonna. That is one of the open. things I feel like feels and a little dated about the movie though, because like, because because like does. every time she he, like he keeps saying you're seven ex boyfriends and she keeps being like exes and he's like okay I got like why this do you keep is... saying it and it's like if you met a girl not to like I mean queer people come in all shapes and sizes but if you meet a girl who's like Rebecca Flowers you would you I think you would reasonably assume that they've had Ramona. exes of multiple genders <laughs> like that would just be like the default yeah. of like yeah of yeah. course of course that's it's... a queer person um but then but and that was not the assumption in that moment and I think that's interesting no but it's it's interesting that even like dipped into the yeah it, I mean I remember like in 2010 time. that would have been really cool yeah. for me to see like that kind of like well I'm sure it was I oh. don't remember as I said it's a black box of an experience <laughs> but that kind of casual like queerness was very yes. uncommon in a major yes film back then yeah I, but his reaction to it and not understanding it is yeah. definitely is definitely an antiquated feeling for sure and um. Uh, Amanda, you already touched on some of this stuff. So, like, what is something like Alex that you picked up? I mean, I don't know if we could even pick up on stuff that, like, because we don't remember watching the film. <laughs> uh, but for me, like I said, the Scott stuff with it, I feel like Michael Sarah's performance here is just like at times the initial part of it is like, oh, he's such a white bitch. I hate this. And the, but he's so convincing in the action. Like, it's absurd how good he is in those action moments. That I'm like, why is he? I, and I get why. I get why. But it's just like he's never done anything like that uh, again. I guess because it would be well, but part, of, but also like it would have to be in this sort of context because like part of what why it's so good is because it's also silly and ridiculous, right? Like it right. all is working of a piece. Like it's both like believable action and ridiculous that he's doing this at all. Yes. And I feel like if he were to be an action star, it would have to be like a comedic action star, you know? Oh, for sure. But I also am, you know, what I, I really discovered by watching this, I'm like, fuck, man, we need Chris Evans to do more stuff because he's great because we're so used to him as Steve Rogers, but he's fucking fun. He's fucking hilarious in this. And he's in on the joke. And I'm just like, we, I want more to see more Chris Evans stuff. Now, I know he did that one where he was in a, he had his sweater run where he did Knives Out. Then he had that Apple show that you watched because he had a beard he and a sweater, Alex. Yeah, not but a I mean, funny, just not like, a funny show. That sure. show, uh, it was about whether it. his no, son, his teenage son, killed uh, his classmate or not for eight episodes. 
<laughs> not a fun time. <laughs> but I just but, I, but he looked great every second of it. He's uh, great. <laughs> he, he's awesome in this, and uh, I also felt a little bad for Brandon Routh. I'm like, well, Brandon Routh's really funny. I was just like, why have we not done more? He was on like seven seasons of a network TV show. (laughs) Who watched it? Not a lot of people. Come on. They were dozens of us. Good for you, man. But I mean, like, (laughs) yes, there you go. There were dozens of you. But uh, I have to say, like, like oftentimes we watch um, stuff that's so effects heavy. And it looks like it looks dated. This is yeah. this looks fresh as hell. This looks like it would have been shot now. And that's probably why the budget was so high was because these effects were freaking great. They really were. And I also I mean, Schwartzman, yeah. man, this is probably Perfect. one of my favorite oh, Schwartzman yeah. performances because he he just de- he just devours every piece Such of scenery. Like dick. Dessert, Talk about dicks. Great. He is the oh, king yeah. dick, man. And. Oh, <laughs> and I, I don't think. Uh, speaking of King Dicks, we cannot, you know, <laughs> Kieran Culkin is just so, so fucking funny. incredible. Yeah. Like he is just so quick witted in this. Like I remember him being funny, but he's, like he's a scene stealer. Like I forget how good he is in this whole like you know. Oh hey, I gotta kick you out. Like just very you know, or or just just the quippy lines that he has go fight go do this you know and the whole the bedmates was hilarious his his partners or just the whole like <laughs> that he wound up with uh stacy's boyfriend yeah too immediately and then and stacy goes again <laughs> yes and just i mean he's such a seed stealer and you don't really pay attention to it i didn't pay attention to it in 2010 and now that i've watched this more i'm like he's no. great he's comedy gold and i love it just very low-key just like mm. so that's the funny thing is this like Scott is like doesn't get Ramona can be bisexual, but he's totally fine. Everything is cool with Wallace. Like everything is cool. Like that's just his friend. Yeah. Well, he's not. It's not like he's like upset that she's. No, no, no. But it's just like it doesn't register for him that she could be because he likes her, which honestly I think makes sense for his character. (laughs) It's like, but I like you, and you like me. So what? Of course. How could you have a girlfriend? I don't understand. That's just because he's just such a dummy. I want to say we were talking about the Michael Sarah performance, and I do think that like he's the the oh. acting are great. But I also have to stand up for how incredible he is in the small moments of this movie. He yes. plays it so hysterically, like the way he's always like so smug, but in a way that is totally unjustifiable. And he clear and it's clearly like guarding this incredible sense of insecurity. And that's just a very believable type of person, number one. And he manages to ha- oh, yeah. have like a lightness to it that makes it really fun to watch. And I think it's a really underrated performance. I agree. I think it's great. I actually think the part where he's such him and Ramona are having it out right before the May Whitman fight and after it too, where he's just being a dick and talking about like, about like, what do I have to know about your exes or anyone you haven't at this party you haven't slept with? It's just like, there have been, I have been privy to real life conversations where that has happened. And it's just like, wow, this, this fantastical voyage, you know, is so grounded in reality and so many aspects about relationships and trusts and insecurities that I did was, you know, cause I was a big dummy back like 13 years ago. Like it was like, I did not 
didn't even register with me. And also, and it's the central like, metaphor of it is smart, too. Like, when you date someone, you have to confront their baggage, right? And that baggage is usually informed yes. by their past relationships. So you're so they're taking that idea and they're turning it into concrete uh, Mortal Kombat-style action fight scenes, which is just such a silly and cool idea. And, like, obviously that comes from the comic book, but that's just such... That's so smart and such a cool way of exploring something in a way that could be entertaining but underlining a really like honest emotional uh thing that we all have to go through and did you guys like how he had to finally address his own shit like do you think they did it in a in a good way because i remember alex you were saying like well at least they didn't like hand wave yeah a less i was saying like a lesser movie would have justified his behavior because he is the lead of our story right and they would have said well he acted like this Mm -hmm. because the like his heart was broken and now that his heart is pure and he can give it to someone new that's his arc it's like no like no he acted like a dick because he was a dick and he didn't realize he was being a dick and he needs to confront the fact that he's a dick and then once he confronts the fact that he's a dick then he can have something positive with this girl of his dreams it's not getting the girl is what solves it it's confronting his own bullshit that then lets him have the girl after he has solved the problem and i thought that is really smart and a lot of movies especially this is you know this is a kind of expensive teen movie in a lot of ways you know it's not unlike you know 10 things i hate about you or can't hardly wait or one of those movies from the decade earlier uh it's just got a bigger budget and has like cgi fight sequences in it but it's that same sort of zone and those movies oftentimes have the male protagonist have a lot of entitlement that then ends up getting rewarded in the end uh and i like that this movie swerves and doesn't do that and has a more honest emotional story at its heart well, the the way they execute it, you know, I I I feel like the execution of it again was was very Michael Cera too. Like they didn't have him do like these big grand gestures to apologize. Like I feel like it was very in keeping with. It was very. It was a very honest performance, a very honest execution of like you know, um, like the way he apologized. I to Kim, you know, I thought that was that was really cool. And then of course you know just how she changes and her expression changes where she's like, Oh, okay. And then she gets back into, you know, kind of towards the end where she starts, you know, we're here to see Scott Pilgrim kick some ass, you know, uh, kick ass. And, you know, you know, just, just, I thought that moment and the way again, the little things like that were executed was just to show how powerful it can be to own up to your mistakes and admit when you're wrong and apologize. And again, it didn't, it wasn't a very elaborate gesture on his part. It was a very low key apology, but it completely turned, you know, her personality around and kind of made, you know, gave her closure, um, you know, and just, just again, just to show how, how an, a genuine apology, you know, goes a long way. You know, I mean, a lot of us were left in bad relate, you know, with bad taste in our mouths because of bad relationships and just, you know, a lot of trauma and a lot of, you know, looking for closure and to be able to have closure, you know, kind of see, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice thing, but, um, but just really, you're going to, I, I liked how subtle, how subtle that was. It wasn't again, something very elaborate. It wasn't very movie drama. It was just, you know, it was, it was perfectly executed in my opinion. And so small moments, you know, with, with Michael Sarah. So I, I'm glad that he didn't get a pass either. Because he was a terrible person through this, I feel like with Michael Sears' performance, he went all across the gambit. There were moments where you're rooting for him, and then there were moments where you're like, "Oh, this guy's such a jerk." <laughs> and especially like I've had that conversation with the in the bar, you know, with uh, yeah, being the recipient of some comments like that is awful. <laughs> and um, 
you know, and just seeing how just how he was a big dick. It's just it it was it was nice that they didn't give him this whole like you get a pass and you know we're gonna make sure he does this grand apology and it's like rah 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 for him. You know, it just was a very normal part of his journey. And, you know, it wasn't, again, he wasn't made out to be like this huge hero, you know, and get a pass for his behavior. I, I, you know, I really thought, and I thought, again, it was, it was well done from, for a Michael Cera appropriate performance. This movie came out way too early. <laughs> it, it, if this was like, God damn, if this movie was out now, it would just be the fucking talk of the town. Yeah. yeah. Like it really would. It just like, it just hits everything. Because my next question was going to be, why is why do you guys think this such a cult has such a cult following? I think it's we've already answered. Yeah, because it's a great movie with a ton of stars, (laughs) and it and it speaks to our and it speak and it's like such a generationally iconic property, right? It has all of the stuff that millennials are associated with in terms of like its genre, it's it's like nerdcore, it's the it's video games and comic books and Michael Sarah and like hipster bullshit, but it also is like earnest emotions and like confront and like having an evolved understanding of romance and you know it's a little it's and it's a little bit of everything and it's got a bunch of people in it that we all like now. I think we're at the age now where we can appreciate that. We can look back at our past and be like, yeah, I can relate to it because I lived through some of that. Would yeah. I, I'm glad I don't have to fight a bunch of exes because my fighting skills I don't think would be as near as good, but you know, but it's, but it's, um, but I feel like again, as, as you grow and you mature and you kind of like, again, like it's a very Edgar Wright thing, you know, like we, we've talked about before with some of his other films, yeah. you know, watching it back as somebody who's lived through those moments now, or maybe we didn't live through those moments back then. You've been in those situations. You were the dick. You were the vic. You know, not not the dick. Um, you know, it's a very, it's a yeah. very, uh, it's a very impactful thing now that you've gone through it, and you're like, yeah, I can relate to that now. By the way, anybody level. who decided to do a drinking game today, where every time we said the word dick, you take a shot, I apologize for your emergency room bill that you were currently having to deal with because you definitely had to get your stomach bumped. <laughs> Well, it's about, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry about that, guys. Sorry about all the dick talk. Uh, but we are, let's, uh, we mentioned hipster bullshit. This movie is such a time capsule for the late aughts, the early The emo tens. bands that they have to battle at yes. the beginning of the movie was yes. so perfect. Well, let's talk about the moments that really brought us back to that time, whether it was, uh, it warmed, you know, our, our our floppy hat, or it made us cringe right into our uh, our caramel macchiato. Uh, let's talk about that moment of nostalgia that we we really that really either hit us positively or negatively. So, Amanda, was it was it the bangs that got you? Because it certainly was for me. Was the live band performances? Because I used to go to clubs and like live shows. We had live concert venues is starting to finally make a little bit more of a comeback in San Antonio. But um, the concert scene, like you have these small, like little indie um, places and, and concert venues. We had this place that used to be here called the white rabbit. And you would see a lot of like these like emo and like rock bands and kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you would, you would see a lot of these different little like indie bands and some of them have gone on to do good things. And, but it was that moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I remember sitting at the little table or just kind of being in the front in the mosh pit. Um, you know, it, it 
that was a that was a fun that was a, a fun memory uh kind of well you know not getting kicked in the back of the head so much because when you're tall and you're in a girl in the pit at least people look out for you if you're a girl that's a that's the positive but still got kicked in the head enough um <laughs> i never understood why anybody just, would go into a mosh pit it just it does it was like right throw there. yourself down a flight of stairs well, i don't you, see any yeah, difference I, between I, those two well, things well obviously your ballroom <laughs> obviously your ballroom dance chair, training you would just have the high kick you yeah fly, just high kick high. Just, yeah. just you know create my space with my arms just kind of get out of my way <laughs> not a windmill um, it's more of a yeah. plie you know um, exactly exactly but it, that's i love the 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 band competitions because you had those and it was great oh yeah i mean i the the always sort of looking sweaty uh, thing that all the guys had whether it was like their weird bangs or like the t-shirt uh, uh the dress shirt underneath the t-shirt with the kind of slouchy uh pants and the the floppy hat and the scarf, yeah, and the the blazers that were all everywhere. The thick glasses—not like I wear those now. Uh, those are all, all brought me back. I'm like, oh yeah, this was this is definitely a time and a place. And I remember my blazers and vests and all that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember there's pictures out there of, of my other half in those. <laughs> the side sweat and all the all the gals with the side sweat bangs. They were all chunky. Bangs were big. Like, oh yeah, it was a wonderful time for oh, bangs. Listen, I covered the bar scenes for that time. I, I saw all the bangs out yeah. there. And bangs well, are not made the for a club. The short bobs. I feel like even the, the short, short bobs, bobs dude, was, yeah. that's what With I saw more of. Yes, the multicolored. Yep. And the knit caps. Everybody Alex. had a knit cap. You know, you gotta have Guilty. It. Yep, me too. Guilty. Nope. I would wear a knit cap and I'd like styled my hair so that way it worked with the hat. So the hat did not come off all day long. Yeah. Same. So I felt a lot of nostalgia is the answer to the question you're trying to ask, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else besides? I mean, that? I was. I mean, I was 20. I was living in New York City when this was happening. This, like, all of this culture is the culture that I was surrounded. Caramel yeah. macchiato was totally my drink. I mean, I was just like all like they. This movie had me dead to rights. So the 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 emo bands that they play, <laughs> ugh, it made me laugh so hard when they just have like the one line and that's the whole song. <laughs> about how sad they are it's perfect and that was and it's like such a short thing i was like i don't know if you were like 19 now if you would even get what that joke is but it's like a perfect reverence in and it moves so fast and so much of this movie is like that but yeah the style the music the 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 hair everything it just is like such a specific point in time and that time has long passed and that is you know i <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like the it's not like the eighties or like grunge yeah. or all that stuff where that had a run. This had like a this is very like two thousand and seven to two thousand and thirteen. I would I would say that's oh. that's about that might be stretched 12. twelve. Twelve, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was 12, trying to be gentle. I, I was yeah, a little bit but yeah. I didn't want to let it let it go. I was really attached to this aesthetic. I mean, like, no, 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 but I think, like, that 12, yeah, 12, it's like when the banjo core kind of stopped and everything started switching to synth was, I want to sure. say. yeah, no, you're right, yeah, 12 uh, is the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's, it was a, it was a shining uh, window in time. I do, I, I, but soundtrack, I soundtrack, I listened to it today, I was like, fuck, this was good, why can't this be the music now the kids yeah. listen to? And it was the last, it was the last moment that rock and roll had a place in, some version of rock and roll had a place in culture. That's <laughs> Yes, one hundred percent. Rock and roll, um, man. Oh, like, that's I, lo- that I love to go to the rock and roll store Ooh. with my dungaree oh, yeah. jacket. <laughs> oh, oh, you motherfucker! Get out! Get out! Get out! So Amanda doesn't know that Alex said dungarees one time on something like that. He I yelled at me for five mind. minutes. I was like, God, <laughs> what? Yeah, because it's like I'm like, what are you an old man? Uh, 
let's let's focus out let's let no sorry let's focus on one performance non michael sarah that just we adored uh, in this and then for me it's a slam dunk for aubrey plaza who's barely in this movie she's great but just perfect and just like a glimpse of what we would get and so many people are like like we got a glimpse of what everyone was going to be so many people um but she was just perfect. And it was just like, hey, guys, this is what I'm going to be for the next 20 years of just like this foul mouth, just comic dynamo that you're going to fall in love with. And she stole the movie every time she was on on, on set. 100% for me. So, um, Amanda, who's someone non-Michael Sarah that gave a performance that you just adore from this movie? Um, You know, it's hard because there were so many good just little cameo moments um <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with chris evans because he's such a tool in this whole thing because you're so used to now seeing him as like captain america and like you know he's just like this really wholesome guy that like you know you have him in these 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 movie parts where he's just he's just he's great and you know um and a little bit you know, he's not quite as douchey as he was back, like kind of in the roles that he was playing back then. Um, so I get a kick out of seeing him now after having watched him as Steve Rogers for forever, it feels like. And <laughs> going through and I'm like, he was, he's hilarious. Like just straight up. And then the facial hair, oh his look was so, his look was so dated. He was so dreamy still, but his look was so dated. Oh, and then the whole stunt man. double scene, um, it's just, he is, he's gold. Oh in this and i just i loved him i loved him in this especially now going again now going back and looking at it i'm like this is hilarious i just i didn't i i totally under appreciated chris evans you know in this part and um now that i go back and watch it now i'm like yeah i love him it's the, just, the chris evans stuff is so funny because like you watch it now and like you say it feels like he's a, against type because we're so used to captain america but in 2010 yes. this was who chris evans that was he was, was the guy yes. that you called to play a brash douchebag like yes. t- like not another teen movie i mean he's the, the, yes. the same performance he's so good um and that that one he did with the anna ferris like what's your number yeah ugh, why do you that remember one? that oh <laughs> my wife puts it on every time it's on that's why oh yeah he was he just he was like the worst guy like in he's just the worst guy (laughs) he's the worst hot guy he's like the and you know he's like toxic bad boy for you but you kind of would go out with them anyway (laughs) i see i wouldn't go out with him because i feel like he would beat me up and i don't unlike brandon routh who probably could beat me up but he's a vegan so he's not gonna hurt me you know he's he's got beautiful blonde locks Where's the tight t-shirt? Power, though. <laughs> uh, um, so, Alex, can we see that Brandon Routh was uh, the favorite performance of yours? Oh, I mean, I liked his performance quite a bit, but I wouldn't say he was my favorite. Performance. <laughs> um, I would say my favorite performance is Mary Elizabeth Winstead as oh. Ramona Flowers. It's iconic. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's She She's obviously great. gets the most emotional arc of anyone on the sh- in the movie, so it's a little bit of unfair, but she does it and does it incredibly well. And uh, yeah, I love every second about it. Hera herself, you know, tying it into I our know. topic. The Mrs. Mrs. Ewan McGregor yeah. herself. Like Which, how, what kind oh. of cool marriage is that? Yeah, they met on the like, set I of mean, Fargo. I mean, that's true love. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I oh, mean, like, yeah. That's like, that's like the, what is it? Like the party boy, like, antithesis of you know hipster because wasn't he doing kind of more indie films around that 
Well, around this time, he was like licking his wounds after the Star yeah. Wars prequels. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, he was he was doing yeah. indie movies <laughs> in the early 90s. Being yeah, a, so it's like early indie movie king. Yeah. I, I bet I bet I would queen. like to know what, um, you know, Rent Boy and uh, Ramona Flowers would get up to in the I know multiverse crossover. That's, that's my event. thought. That's my thought. I was like, wow. What, how, know, what kind of universe guys. collide? Ramona Flowers would think, not think... stay with him. She would have no tolerance for him. She would she would meet him at a party and they would have a crazy weekend and she would be like, all right, I'm out of here. Like this, I'm too good for this guy. Yeah. Now, Ramona Flowers and Lumiere, who Ewan McGregor also played, <laughs> that's a rom-com I want to see. <laughs> oh, of, co- of course. I want to see her have a romance with a candle. Uh, a candelabra sentient <laughs> is who's totally sentient uh guys let's 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 move on from sentient candelabras and sexy candelabras i guess now too because why not uh let's talk about you move the beyond future. the candelabra bill <laughs> i want to move beyond the candelabra which i've seen uh let's Scott, talk let's let's Scott. pretend we're vegan let's talk like we are vegan cops from the future and we are talking about the future of scott pilgrim and of course, that means the brand new anime that's coming out in November on Netflix. So, guys, let's talk about like essentially we watched the trailer, and it seems like this is just they've reskinned the film with uh, an as an anime with the entire almost the entire vocal cast from the film. So, what are your hopes and fears for this? For me, it's just like what's going to be the difference outside of the animation? Like, are is this going to be a shot for shot remake? Like, I'm interested. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know how excited I am. I was like, okay, this is cool, but you got to sell me on it's more than just an animated version of a film I just watched. So I'm not, I'm not as hyped for this. I probably will give it a shot, but I'm not overly hyped. Amanda, now I'm sure you're on the other end of the spectrum. What's your take on this? I mean, I'm excited for it because I, you know, I'm hoping that it's not just a retread of the movie because I am a little worried about that with the trailer. Um, not that it wouldn't be necessarily a terrible thing because they are bringing back the original the original cast but you know the 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 movie itself now i think is a, is a lot more of a, a, a it's a bigger place in in pop culture um so people are gonna be particular about it if they retread the movie in anime form i just really hope we get more um i want to see what happens we dive into more scott pilgrim stories like not just necessarily the main the main movie arc but you know maybe just get more from you know the 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 graphic novel or like you know i i kind of want to see what what happened beyond and i'm hoping for that that they go beyond what the movie showed like you know does he stay with ramona like you know does sex bomb take off again like you know, I want more music too. I'm actually really hype about the music. That, oh, yeah. That's probably one thing I was like right off the bat. I'm like, yay! Um, and so, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it, but again, I'm I'm just I'm hoping that people will go appreciate the movie more and go and and give this a chance because sometimes um, the the community can be tough <laughs> in terms of anime, um, and so. Uh, kind of like, you know, Star Wars fans, you have people that are really excited about the product and then you have some people that are super, you know, we're just going to nitpick everything kind of, you know, it's, it's, but not necessarily in a constructive way. The, ne- the, um, <laughs> the neck's getting scratched real hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just hoping that it's, it's, it's a fun nostalgia experience, but also that we get more cool stories out yeah. of it and more great music out of it. That's my, that's my hope for it. So I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped for it. Alex, I feel like you're in the middle. Like no, I'm, I'm not in the middle. middle I'm, 
I'm very excited for it because I think it's important to note that the trailer that we got was a teaser trailer. So it makes sense that the teaser trailer would focus mostly on content that we already know versus new stuff, right? That's a feature trailer. We'd probably have more stuff in there that would surprise us. I think this is just supposed to be like, hey, all the Scott Pilgrim fans, all your favorites are back and they're going to play the hits, right? And then the actual anime is going to give us more. And that's what they've promised us. They've said it's going to be based on all of the graphic novels, not just the one that um, inspired the film. And even with the film, you know, a film, it was a almost two hour long movie. So they did try to include yeah. quite a lot. But my understanding is that they didn't get to get everything in there. And this is going to take the story slower and give them a chance to explore things better. And I think the fact that they're bringing the whole cast back just is kind of underscoring the fact that these people are all huge stars now and we all love them. And so, of course, you would have them back if you want to. Um, and I think the fact that the aesthetic is so different in the sense that it really looks and feels like the the um, the co- the graphic novel, I think uh, it'll still feel like a fresh take on the material, even if you're going to rehash certain beats. So I'm all I'm on board after watching this movie a, for a second time on the reigning king of streaming networks, Peacock. Uh, <laughs> of course, um, I I'm all for it, and I and I can't wait to watch it in November. I definitely. We'll check it out over the Thanksgiving break. Oh, and I think the other thing I, I, I wanted to mention really quickly was um, the fact that it's Netflix behind it. Netflix usually has a good record of American anime or American styled, like not necessarily going go the live adaptation route, which we'll talk Wait. about that later at some other time. But, you know, but in, in terms of them converting, you know, Japanese and, and you know, Chinese, you know, manga or whatnot or anime. But I feel like with American anime, they usually have they have very solid animated content in general. So I I feel I feel good about this knowing that Netflix has that track record of, of, of good American animated content for the most part. Yeah, and it is it's a co production with the Japanese animation studios, uh, Saru, right. a science Saru. So that is also encouraging too. They're getting like real anime animators in there right. and working on it. So I'm excited. All right, guys, let's just uh, close it out. I was going to say, you know, you know, if you're going to recommend this to someone, would you say, but I feel like that's silly because we have to honor our friend, our fallen comrade in the quantum realm, Al Manorino, and we have to rate the this film on a scale of 1 to 10. Now, we usually do some sort of lopped off body part, but guys, do we have a good metric this time around that you would want to put 1 in to there? 10 uh, highlights? Yeah, smacked, smacked yeah. away highlights. Smacked away highlights. Smacked yeah. off highlights. Smacked off highlights. That was also something I forgot. To two women get punched yes. right yeah. in the face. <laughs> bad. That's a bad look by Brandon Routh. I'll admit. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, on a scale of uh, honor, let's let's do this in a little different way. The first time you watched it, and the rewatch, we're gonna rate both times for it so on a scale of one to ten alex i'll start with you first on a scale of one to ten knocked off highlights when you first watched it all by your lonesome at 11 o'clock in the morning at the dorms of fordham (laughs) university sitting there eating a bagel probably a lukewarm coffee or caramel macchiato i should say with your hat uh as the canadians would call it a toke (laughs) i've been called or toque 
that's my friend, our friend Kyle. Yeah, Toke is something different it, right? <laughs> that uh, also could have gone on. Wasn't oh, yes. for me, well, but could well, have certainly. Uh, <laughs> that's right. It was. It was. It was. It was a time and a place. Certainly. Uh, what did you give it? Your original. I so my, my original rating was like a seven out of ten. I didn't dislike it at all, but I just didn't think that it reached the level of like this is one of the best movies of the year. This is one of the best movies of the decade. Um my opinion of it now is much higher. I would give it a nine out of 10. I think it's really, really excellent. I think it's an, it's a classic. It deserves to be considered as such. And, uh, and I can't wait to show, um, the younger generation coming up today, generation alpha. I'm going to, when they get to be old enough to watch this movie and be like, this is what it was like, guys. It was, we had, we had people flying in through the walls and we all wore knitted caps. And this was life back in the, back in the early 2010s. You missed out. Uh, for Before me, we all had iPhones. <laughs> yeah. Sophie actually watched part of the, the end and she's like, wow, this looks great. And I'm like, all right, I'll show this to you when you're older. Uh, for me, the original viewing, I probably would give it a six and a half. Um, wasn't the biggest fan. I felt it was a bit of a letdown, especially given what Edgar Wright had done previously. And I guess given I was very cranky when I watched it. <laughs> um, now I'm going to give it, um, I'll jump it up to an eight and a half. Because I really liked it. I really thought this was a really, really good movie. And I actually want to watch it again down the road. Although, Mike, when I say stuff like that, I never do it. Uh, but so I would like to watch it again because it's 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 a really enjoyable movie. And I think I want to see it a second time because I want to pick up what I missed this time around. Because, like, Alex uh, had the same experience. It's almost like watching it fresh for the first time. So, Amanda, close us out. What was your initial rating and your rewatch rating? Um, so my initial rating, I want to say, was like an 8. Um, you know, knocked off highlights because uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, I really going to, I enjoyed the gaming kind of a lot of the gaming references. I enjoyed the humor. Uh, you know, it was, I enjoyed the visuals, the music. So it was a really fun experience uh, for me. The, for the rewatch, I'm going to go ahead. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy it more every time I, I watch it. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a nine, um, you know, knocked off highlights because again there's always something that you find um i feel like there's something that you connect to but i think that's a very like we've talked about it's a very edgar wright thing um in his films and so again i i i enjoy having that experience and will continue to enjoy having that experience and also i'm happy that he is behind the anime too so that makes me feel good and so i'm looking forward to seeing how i relate to the animated series as well awesome guys thank you so much for going all the way to toronto with us to talk about scott pilgrim versus the world but before we get out of here we're gonna tell people where we can find us on social media and as a surprise to my guests uh we're gonna give a little pop culture recommendation i feel like amanda especially with you gearing up for your hosting duties next week with ahsoka probably has some clone wars and star wars rebel stuff you might want to recommend so tell us where people can find you online and where and what your pop culture recommendation would be um, so uh, y'all can find me at Amanda Lorian on Instagram and threads. Uh, I am at Resner's chick on X feels weird saying that Twitter. X, it, but. but it was funny when, but it it, when Ben funny. said, uh, BD Merkison on X. I'm like, not the first time you've been on X as a bell. And he's just like, <laughs> given Ben's love of electronic music. Boom. Boom. Uh, so yes. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that, that was a, uh, yes, that was you know, again, he's got that header on his bio. <laughs> um, but yes, so that's where you can find me on uh, on social media. So uh, check me out. 
my pop culture recommendation this week. So definitely I'm going to throw out there the Clone Wars movie just because it it did reach 15 years and we'll talk about that, you know, later on. Uh, but 15 years this week. Uh, so through that on, if you're going to be watching any of the Clone Wars content, uh, definitely, you know, make time for it if you can. Uh, watch the Key Ahsoka episodes. But the big ones are going to be especially, which I wish one day they would make this into a full film because that would be amazing or release it in part. But the Siege of Mandalore, uh, that is some of my favorite Clone Wars content, Star Wars content, period. That whole, those full four episodes are just sheer beauty. Uh, very, very underrated. And a lot of people didn't make it to that point because they're like, oh, the Clone Wars, it takes a while to get into. It does. But once you're in it, I mean, just so much, so much behind the scenes, so much, you know, again, it made me, it made me go back with a new appreciation for the prequels um, and where the story is. And again, having met the voice cast, it's just even, it's just even cooler um, watching the movie. I was like, ah, I met her and him and him. It's great. Um, Sam Whitwear, you're on my list and it will happen. <laughs> I, will, I will add you to my Clone Wars voice actors. That, that came out. That was the most scariest you've ever been on this podcast. Um, I was scary last week too. But yes, the Clone Wars movie. And if y'all can um, make time for the Clone Wars show, definitely recommend it. Absolutely. As for me, find me on X and uh, at Bodkin Writes. Uh, follow Pop Break on Instagram, Blue Sky, Facebook, Twi- X, and YouTube at the Pop Break. Uh, we got some new stuff up over on uh, YouTube uh, from Ring of Honor. And also, with the, the we're going to be reposting all of our Riverdale content. We interviewed the entire cast when that series came out. Next week is the finale of the show. So I'm going to be posting that on social media for everyone to check out. Um, as for me, I got a ton of stuff right now. Alex and I did our latest episode of Bill versus the MCU, where we talked about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season two we had a lot of fun with that aaron sarnecki was uh the special guest on that one so go check that out of course he and i do tv break and um so check that on pop break tv and my recommendation is something my wife was like i think you've had a lousy week so let's watch a sitcom and i'm like ugh, whatever and she put on a show called dairy girls and that show is friggin phenomenal it is about uh four northern irish teenage catholic girls who go to an all-girls Catholic school, and one boy who is British who has to go there as well. Um, if you've ever gone to Catholic school or ch- or Catholic church, there are so many jokes in here that will hit you right in the soul. It is totally worth it. It is a very, very fun, heartfelt, silly show, but also deals a lot with Northern Irish politics and real life stuff going on in there. It's a really great show. Uh, the episodes are super quick. It's like 20 minutes per episode. So you can, and they're only, so this is Alex's favorite thing. They're only six season episodes. So you could get through this in no time flat. So it's a very fun watch. So go check out Dairy Girls. I think it's like three or four seasons on Netflix right now. So Alex, thank you so much. Uh, guest of honor. Uh, you've done so many podcasts with me. You have to hate me. Never, Bill. So where can people find you? Uh, where can people find you on social media? Tell us more about your spectrum of Michael Sarah to Brandon <laughs> Routh and where people and your pop culture recommendation for I, I 
think I've probably said just about as much as I need to say about my spectrum. Uh, so instead, I'll just say you can follow me on uh, Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. You can follow me on Blue Sky at Alex Marcus. Uh, you can follow the podcast that Bill was nice enough to say. Uh, very excited about our next episode of Bill versus the MCU when we will be talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Rise of the Inhumans with our very own Aaron Cernacki. That episode just came up this past week, and I am very excited for people to hear it. Uh, I've converted Bill into a true believer in the world yes. of Shields. Uh, believe it or not, I th- am I wrong, Bill? You think that it's the season two of Agents of Shield better season of television than Secret you Invasion? You curated yes or no? a very good amount of episodes. The eight episodes of Agents of Shield that I made you watch. <laughs> better season of TV, yeah. right? We'll get. To- we don't want to spoil our Secret Invasion episode for later this year. Yes, well, who knows? Maybe we'll feel differently on our rewatch. Uh, but until then, speaking of rewatching things and curated episodes, uh, Amanda recommended a certain arc in Clone Wars that is excellent. And I would just recommend, uh, by the way, just like every Mandalore episode of Clone Wars is yes. great. Uh, so just watch all of them. But outside of the Mandalore side of things, I also want to recommend uh, an incredible run of uh, Clone Wars from season three, uh, episode 15, 16, and 17, where we meet the Mortis gods, uh, who are basically yes. like the the archetypical gods of the Force. So we did the, have that kind of draw Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan into their planet, and they play out an incredible uh, series of episodes just kind of tackling the nature of good and evil and uh, what Anakin is going to like, what his impact could be and should be and will be. And the, what happens to Ahsoka over those episodes really, really impactful for her long-term arc, the guilt that Obi-Wan ultimately will feel it all gets kind of preloaded there. It's a great episode. If you want to deep dive into some weird star Wars lore, or if you just really care about the characters that we've come to love and, or if you just want to prepare for Ahsoka and get to know her in a little bit better light than in the clone Wars movie, which Amanda, it is, it is the anniversary, but I got to say like, that is definitely not the best foot forward for people. If they're looking to see what's all the fuss is about for, uh, no, Ahsoka but I think people should watch it at least at least once. Yeah, but maybe after they've seen all of the other things that Ahsoka has been. This is true. Unless they really want to see her carrying around a stinky uh, hut, you know. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, um, (laughs) uh, otherwise, check this out first and check out what Amanda recommended for the Mandalore. The Mortis arc is fantastic. Also, the the uh, the Mortis arc comes back in Rebels too a little bit. It sure does. Definitely want to. Definitely want to check out those episodes for Rebels, especially um, for Rebels, the Twilight Apprentice episodes. Oh, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So the uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels together are 70 yes. hours of content. Now, that's a lot. It's a lot of content. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it, you're going to be one of these weirdos like me and Amanda who just can't stop talking about how good the animated shows are. Exactly. You'll be converted yeah. to the dark side like all of us. I was a skeptic for many years and I finally gave in and I devoured all 70 hours in like a month and a half and it was well worth it. So absolutely you should do it. Maybe you can't do it in time for Ahsoka, but if you can't, by the time, if you finish Ahsoka and you're like, hey, I love Ahsoka so much now, I will need more Ahsoka in my life. You got 70 hours of content. Well, guys, we have hyped it a lot. 
Next week starts the Ahsoka series. We're all super excited. We, we're all really excited, and we all want this show to be really good. We have not had a lot of great review series this year, so we're hoping Ahsoka atones for the sins of the many. So until then, guys, go rewatch Scott Pilgrim. You will be glad you did it. Go watch some animated Star Wars stuff because that's really great. And join us next week for the beginning of our yet-to-be-titled Ahsoka Review.